podcast where sports and politics meet. This is the political field with Michael Etzel and Justin Ruzier. Hello and welcome into episode one of the political field. I am Justin Ruzier, and alongside me from a safe social distance area is Michael Etzel. Mike, I'm excited. Intro is out of the way. First real episode. Let's do this thing. Heck yes, let's do this. So, uh, if you've read the title, you can see that our first episode is on Kaepernick and the president. The There is a long timeline for the two of them, which Mike is going to get into in a second. But as we described in the intro, this is not about uh, taking a side, saying which one was right or the other. It is just about explaining what happened why it happened, and what the effects sort of were in that situation. So if, um, Mike, if you have it ready, we just, let's, just, let's just go over the timeline of, of what happened um, and just describe to us sort of what the, the history of the, the Colin Kaepernick and his uh, protests have looked like. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so this is just some background uh, pulled from um, uh, Chicago Tribune, mostly. And uh, we'll just walk through uh, who Colin Kaepernick is and uh, his story. All right, so uh, here we go. Born in Milwaukee in 1987, Colin Kaepernick was raised by adopted white parents, a second-round pick by the San Francisco 49ers out of Nevada in 2011, the two-time WAC Player of the Year took over for starting quarterback Alex Smith after he suffered a concussion. Colin proceeded to lead the team to the Super Bowl that year and the NFC Championship game the following year. In the third preseason game of the upcoming 2016 season, Kaepernick sat during the National Anthem because the United States, quote, oppresses black people and people of color, end quote. A couple of days later, former NFL player and Green Beret Nate Boyer suggested to Kaepernick that kneeling during the anthem would be a more respectful approach. During week one, several players followed Kaepernick's lead and knelt during the anthem. Kaepernick does not play because of a knee injury. On September 27th, presidential candidate Donald J. Trump criticized Kaepernick for kneeling during the anthem, to which Colin responded, quote, He always says, make America great again. Well, America has never been great for people of color. That's something that needs to be addressed. Let's make America great for the first time. End quote. In January of that year, Kaepernick played his last NFL game, and in March, he opted out of his contract. Despite some reported interest from other teams, Kaepernick receives no contract offers. In October of 2017, Kaepernick files a grievance against the NFL, accusing the league and owners of collusion, denying him a job. In 2018, under continued pressure by now President Trump, NFL owners approve a rule banning players from kneeling during the anthem, although players do have the option to remain in the locker room for it. That rule is later revoked. As September 2018 approaches, Kaepernick began his second straight year out of the league and joined Nike, who made the quarterback the focal point of its new advertising campaign. On February 15, 2019, the NFL settled with Kaepernick and Eric Reed on their collusion grievances. November of that year, Colin Kaepernick had conducted an NFL tryout. However, 
It was marred with controversy of what teams could attend, how it would be run, and so on. He goes unsigned. After the death of George Floyd, a man who died in police custody, NFL Commissioner Roger Goodell apologizes to Kaepernick and other players for not listening to them earlier. Finally, President Trump again criticizes the league and Kaepernick over kneeling for the anthem after Drew Brees is forced to apologize for comments he made on the subject. And uh, so that's, uh, that's our timeline. Gives us a good intro of what we will be discussing and uh, what the controversy is. Yeah. And there, there is a ton to parse through this uh, in terms of the timeline. But, you know, we all knew, uh, or if you didn't, what Colin Kaepernick was as a player before the, the controversy started rolling in. There was a time in, I would say, 2011, uh, 2011 12, 13, around that time, where Colin Kaepernick was considered one of the premier quarterbacks in the NFL because of his dual threat ability. We were all in witness of when he took that 2012 San Francisco team to the Super Bowl and uh, then set a rushing record, I believe, in a playoff game against the Packers in that run. And so the, the biggest argument has always been about, about with Kaepernick is, well, is he even really good enough? Because at the time of 2016, he, he the shine had sort of worn off. Kaepernick had re- re- uh, regressed to the mean. Uh, teams started to, you know, understand how to play him a little bit more. And his number, like I said, he regressed to the mean. He wasn't the same absolutely unstoppable force that he was in his first few years in the league. But I want to start with after his last game in 2016, or excuse me, even even before that, the season before that, in season, before he started kneeling, he got a call or was, you know, reached out to by John Elway of the, uh, of the Denver Broncos. John Elway had been talking to him before Kaepernick had even had the chance to opt out of his contract, before 2016 had started. They were ready to pay Colin Kaepernick $7 million a year for two seasons. That was the initial report from John Elway. This is straight from Bleacher Report from August of 2018. After he started kneeling, nothing. There was the there was no more talk. the The Broncos were didn't didn't show any more interest, um, even after Kaepernick was ready to opt out of his contract. And so, I find that really interesting because one of the main points we always mention with Kaepernick is. Well, you know, maybe his talent isn't that great, but even if it is, well, he's 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 a hullabaloo. It's a lot of uh, it's a lot of attention, unneeded attention, going towards the team, and that's clearly what happened here with Denver. Because when you look at the numbers of who they went with after that, um, with, <laughs> with Trevor Simeon and and Paxton Lynch, and again, these are these are they're football players. I couldn't do anything they ever did, but. Hey Justin, what's up? Are you telling me Paxton Lynch isn't a top tier quarterback? <laughs> uh, unfo- <laughs> unfortunately, I I am telling you so that, that Paxton oh, Lynch man. is not not a premier NFL quarterback, and in fact only came in because Trevor uh, Trevor Simeon was was ineffective. And I mean, when you when you just look when you just look at the stats side by side in 2016 in in Kaepernick's last game last season as a 49er and the uh, the, the play of, of Trevor Simeon. 
Uh, let me just read this off to you. So Kaepernick had a 59.2 uh, per completion percentage, 16 touchdowns, four picks, compared to Simeon. And that was in 13 games, by the way. Uh, or excuse me. Um, that was only, he played 12 games, only started 11. So 16 touchdowns, four picks. And meanwhile, Trevor Simeon, who started 14 games, had a 59, the same, almost the same completion percentage, 18 touchdowns, 10 picks. So, played a couple more games, had a couple more touchdowns. Uh, he threw for 3,400 yards. Kaepernick threw for 2,200 and, you know, in three less games. But if you dive a little deeper and you want to look at who was starting for these, for these players, I mean, it's, it's just, it's not fair. I mean, Trevor Simeon should have been way, way better when you're talking about that he had Demarius Thomas and Emmanuel Sanders both putting up 1,000-yard receiving yards that year. Verse, you look at the weapons that Kaepernick had, and uh, do you want to guess who was the leading receiver for the 2016 San Francisco 49ers? Ooh, ooh, that is a wonderful question. <laughs> 2016, mm, let's get fun with this. Oh, was Frank Gore still on the team? <laughs> I do not believe so. Aww. <laughs> uh... That would have been something. No, I have no idea who is it. It was Jeremy Curley. Jeremy oh, that's, Curley. Oh, that's a throwback name. Led, but, oh, as a Jets fan, trust me, that's a very big throwback name. He was our number one wide <laughs> receiver for a long time. Oh, well, don't even, not getting into that. Not letting myself get pained this early on in the podcast. Not happening. Anyway, <laughs> he was throwing to guys like Jeremy Curley, Quentin Patton. Early Vance McDonald, Garrett Selleck, who was already... I didn't even know he was in the league at that time. And Torrey Smith, with a, with a nice 260 receiving yards, by the way, <laughs> for that team. <laughs> so, obviously the talent was there. He What he was doing with what we can look at and say absolutely nothing versus what you see what happened with Trevor Simeon. And I'm not saying that they, they had... They, they had, of course... You know, every team has the right to, to change their, their minds on what they see out of a quarterback because, you know, even before the kneeling, it was before Kaepernick had even played a game. So what I think went through, um, or again, I'm not going to try to figure out what John Elway said, but I, I think there, there is an argument to be made that, well, you look at what happened during the season, you say, oh, well, Kaepernick didn't have it. But then when you look at what Trevor Simeon did, and then they started him again next year. They went with Trevor Simeon. So I don't see it. I don't see the this. It, it's 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 very cut and dry to me that it was. It wasn't about Kaepernick's talent. It was very and again unjustified or not. That's not really my place to say. But it is it is very clear that from the, um the, the it was more a a business decision of do we want to bring in Colin Kaepernick for the noise that is going to be surrounded with it because i don't think it had anything to do with his talent you know that reminds me of a very similar conversation the nfl had with another player and perhaps um a less talented player and that's no disrespect but do you remember the conversation around michael sam when he was drafted, uh, for, for those that don't know, he was the first, uh, I'm pretty sure he was the first openly gay NFL player. Mm -hmm. um, I don't know if anyone came out after they retired or whatnot, but it was the first one going into the draft. Uh, there was a big controversy. He was kissing his boyfriend on draft night. Um, 
And there was a very similar conversation over whether the media frenzy and the locker room disruption was worth it. And uh, I remember Tony Dungy uh, commented on that, among other people. And ultimately, I think the difference is a good quarterback is seemingly worth it. The quarterback position, teams are more willing to take uh, controversy from because they ultimately get more out of them opposed to a, a defensive end like Michael Sam who honestly didn't pan out in the league because you know he wasn't that great of a player unfortunately and so I think it's a, a very similar conversation of what you identified over the balance that teams take or the balance that they have to look at when deciding on a player. Now, ultimately, that might be irrelevant for this conversation because ultimately I think this conversation is more about the issues Kaepernick uh, presented into the mainstream and the reaction to them more so than what type of player Kaepernick is. But this is a sports podcast, so that is an important conversation to have. Absolutely. Um, and, and I, and I agree. And that is, it's part of the conversation and it's a very valid point because, you know, culture in a locker room is so important. And if every day or every week, you know, you come out of a big win and all, you know, someone in the media wants to talk about kneeling or, or, or protest and it, it can, it, for some players, I mean, they're open about it. And I, I would say the, the trend of the NFL is that more players are, looking to talk about these things and keep their, um, you know, open up about their opinions. But I can understand that there, that there was some concern. Now, for nobody to pull a trigger is, is, a little, is still a little, little strange for me, um, you know, because we see people who do far worse things than what Colin Kaepernick did, which he did was, you know, we've seen people do illegal things, domestic abuse, uh, drug charges, you know, DUIs, all of these things that are that are horribly endangering to to society, and a lot of times require legal action, and you have charges up against all these players. I mean, those can go on and on uh, of, of players that this happened to, and those guys are always ready to get a second chance, even with the noise, because you know, those are the questions that are going to field immediately when that happens. The Cowboys knew exactly what was going to happen when they signed Greg Hardy. They were going to get a lot of questions about Greg Hardy. And they accepted it because the talent was there and they need then they had a need to fill. So it's very interesting to me that in the same situation in Kaepernick, where it's it's a quarterback league, and you look at some of the backups and even some of the starters in these situations, and it's it's very interesting that nobody said, you know what? Not even as a not even as a as a statement on social justice. It didn't even have to be that. Just a statement to say, you know what? I think this guy still has talent in the league. Clearly, he showed he did. He wasn't turning the football over. He was working with absolutely nothing. That was a that was the that was the time in the San Francisco 49ers uh, timeline where they were drafting a defensive lineman every year to get the D line they have now. 
they were they were still allowed, they had Colin Kaepernick at quarterback. So they they were in a massive rebuild. So I I think that it was it's very interesting that no team pulled the trigger. We had some other um some other people that were interested. The Baltimore Ravens were interested in signing him. The Seattle Seahawks uh, worked worked him out. Although with the Seattle Seahawks it was very interesting because that was a uh, they were they were very interested in bringing him in as a backup, and Kaepernick still saw himself as a starter. So that was sort of a, a mutual thing where uh, he said, "You know what? Um, I appreciate." It. And they, they never they never really transgressed past. Uh, he was never offered a contract by Seattle, but they were very intent that you know you're going to be a backup. There's not going to be any. I mean, they had Russell Wilson, so why would they? <laughs> why would yeah. they say he's going he's going to compete for a starting job? But um, that. The, at least both both sides are quoted as saying, "We believe Kaepernick is a starter." So we, you know, Seattle played it off as, "Well, we just wanted, to, you know, we like bringing talent in, um, just to bring guys in for workouts." But we also believe Colin is a starter, and he deserves a chance to be a starter. Um, Can I speculate on why we see players come back from uh, domestic violence and? arrests and drugs and we didn't see Kaepernick come back. Yeah, man, this is from, this is a podcast. You yeah. can speculate all you want. <laughs> <laughs> I'm an expert speculator. I think because the issue that he brought up uh about, you know, racial justice and the actual action of kneeling for the flag, two things that we will ultimately get to on this podcast and the response by president Trump and then candidate Trump turned the issue into a culture war issue. And there is something inherent in the American psyche currently that forces the masses to be more concerned over culture war issues than a drug arrest or a domestic violence arrest or whatever criminal act or, you know, team morale destroying act, you know, that a player can conduct because culture war issues represent something different. And it doesn't, you know, the, a, a, a domestic violence arrest doesn't provoke the same response that culture war issues provoke because they are representative of more than what they actually are. Right. They're very symbolic. Right, because suddenly and, it, it's about it, – it's coming at a person's identity, not necessarily a, a player – doing a certain thing it's a player doing something that you know goes against my beliefs or my identity or, or anything like that and people begin to take it personally absolutely yes yeah and if i could kind of bridge that to one what we will we talk about um what we want out of this podcast and what one of the big points is there is a great example of sports being a reflection of society you can see just based on those two examples i gave you of greg hardy and, and Colin Kaepernick, that the priority, like, like you said, when it comes to a drug arrest or domestic abuse, it's easier to accept. And, and 
teams are willing to take a, a bet on that because there isn't the same type of outrage. You don't see it that like, oh, Greg Hardy should never be back in the league. There are several pundits like that and, you know, people people that believe that way. And, you know, there's a lot of people that are very upset with when those things happen. But it's just it, – it never gained the same type of traction that it did with the, the Colin Kaepernick situation. And I think that is a great example of sports teams looking at what society – prioritizes or what society deems right or wrong or moral or whatever you want to say and they made that decision Kaepernick well that would bring a lot of controversy and that would alienate a base Greg Hardy well maybe not so much and I think that is a again that's 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 a stain on our society in my opinion that it's that we don't take those things equally as personally um because as we may deny, I'm sure, everybody, if they asked everybody they know, they know somebody who was a victim of domestic abuse. And that's the prevailing issue that seems to come up with a lot of these players. And it's really unfortunate that it doesn't hit home the same way that something like kneeling for the flag does, in my opinion. Yeah, absolutely. At the end of the day, the NFL is a business, as they always say. And the business decision seemed to be, well, even if we put a less productive product on the field that is better than controversy which it, whether whether you, you you like Colin Kaepernick or not it's just when you when you break it down to brass tacks like that teams would rather make more money than try to win that's the that's the way I see it, it, it and if, if that's how so and that, that's unfortunate to me and I, I think if you really, I think I think if you put a lot, a lot, you know, a lot of fans on the clock, and it's like, and, and you ask them, okay, would you rather, would you rather lose, with, and again, I don't want to pick on the guy, I don't want to pick on Trevor Simeon. He's a solid quarterback who's 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 very serviceable when he's get put in. It's like, would you rather lose with Trevor Simeon or win with Colin Kaepernick? And I feel, night. I don't want to put a number on it. I feel that most fans would say they'd rather win a Super Bowl with Colin Kaepernick than lose with a lesser quarterback. For instance, my stepfather, oh, not my stepfather, my mother's boyfriend, let's put it that way. (laughs) He, huge, huge, huge NFL fan, huge Giants fan, has a uh, signed Lawrence Taylor jersey, you know, in, in his room. Huge, huge fan. Has not watched a single minute of the NFL this season because of various issues pertaining to, you know, race relations and not backing the police and standing for the anthem. Just flat out will not watch the NFL. And I think that is becoming a larger issue than the NFL wants to admit. And I don't per- I don't blame them. They I don't blame the NFL for taking the positions they've taken. Not at all. I think sometimes, or or even the players. I think often the players make genuinely product take genuinely productive positions. However, uh, I don't know if ninety percent of people right now would rather take Kaepernick than Simeon in that case, because I think 
there is a larger division where politics are taking an increasing importance on people's lives, and they will make a decision one way or the other uh, because their politics demand it. Yeah, and I think it. You know, we don't. Again, we don't have numbers on this. You're not. We're not going on the streets asking people what it would be. But at the end of the day, um, winning generally cures all wounds. I feel that if you know, we Colin Kaepernick was at a point in 2016 where we could make the argument that he was coming out of his prime, and that's probably true. He was coming out of his prime, and if. And, you know, he wasn't as productive as he was the years prior. I think if Colin Kaepernick was at was still the dynamic 2012 Kaepernick we had seen, I don't think he would have he would have gotten passed by by anybody. I think a lot of teams would have been at his doorstep. And I, I think, again, it's a combination of those things because, you know, it's like, well, we have enough excuse to not take him because he's coming out of his prime, but also because... Of, of the whole controversy. And I think fans would have a different opinion on that too, if he was so good. I think even if they didn't, not saying they would suddenly come to his side, they'd be like, well, I don't like it, but if we're going to win, it's okay. It's like it's like any Knicks fan, and these, these aren't, this is apples to oranges, this oh is boy. apples to wrenches, honestly. This is like when Knicks fans said they didn't want Michael Jordan. Please. Or, or, or when I Absolutely. say I don't want Trevor Bauer on the Mets. <laughs> <laughs> exactly exactly because once somebody starts producing once they have those moments it starts to go away and Knicks fans are like oh Michael Jordan we hate him he's a bull he's a gambler blah 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 yeah no one cares I, I don't want to hear it <laughs> <laughs> you can say it now and you can say that you would that you wouldn't have wanted it 20 years ago but if Michael Jordan was a New York Nick uh, and was bringing championships. Never, nobody would have said they, even if they still didn't like him, because you can like, you cannot like players and still support them on the field. Those are two separate issues. Um, I just feel that if, again, if Colin Kaepernick, and I think, it, like I said, it, the numbers show that he he was even outperforming the talent around him. Um, I believe that if. Colin Kaepernick was given a chance or it, like I said, if his numbers were better and you asked a lot of fans, well, would you rather, you know, more winning or less controversy? I think they would take more winning. All right. Well, but that is, I think this is um, a good spot to actually move on then. Yeah, I would say so. I guess, um, I guess the first major thing I want to discuss is the conservative argument over Kaepernick. Uh, so this is from an area of politics that I know well. Uh, I am definitely a, a center-right person. And I think it, some of the arguments have been in bad faith from the conservative side. But there is one argument I want to highlight. And I think it's important. Um, so David French is a evangelical writer and conservative. Uh, and in May of 2018, he wrote uh, this from the New York in the New York Times. He wrote, quote, 
One of the most compelling expressions of America's constitutional values is contained in Justice Robert Jackson's 1943 majority opinion in West Virginia State Board of Education versus Barnett. At the height of World War II, two sisters, both Jehovah Witnesses, challenged the state's mandate that they salute the flag in school. America was locked in a struggle for its very existence. The outcome was in doubt. National unity was essential. But even in the darkest days of war, the court wrote liberating words that echo in legal history. And those words are, If there is any fixed star in our constitutional constellation, it is that no official, higher petty, can prescribe what shall be orthodox in politics, nationalism, religion, or other matters of opinion or force citizens to confess by word or act their faith therein. Uh, French continued, Make no mistake, I want football players to stand for the anthem. I want them to respect the flag. As a veteran of the war in Iraq, I've saluted that flag in foreign lands and deployed with it proudly on my uniform. But as much as I love the flag, I love liberty even more. The NFL isn't the government. It has the ability to craft the speech rules that owners wants. So does Google. So does Mozilla. So does Yale. American citizens can shame whomever they want to shame. But what should they do? Should they use their liberty to punish dissent? Or should a free people protect a culture of freedom? Uh, end quote. So that's uh, just a part of, of his article. And, and it speaks to me a lot because... Ultimately, uh, I do think it's a question of liberty. I don't, I don't like the conservative argument that Kaepernick should be silenced, or that you know the the NFL should be punished. I think those are inherently more un-American positions than kneeling for the national anthem, and. I agree with David French. I would prefer people to stand for the anthem. But ultimately, I am more annoyed and disturbed by people who want to punish the dissent uh, than the people that are kneeling. Yep. That's that's a great point. And if I kind of want to take two points out of this. The first thing I want to go into that quote uh, especially where he says, high or petty can prescribe we shall be orthodox in politics, nationalism, religion, or other matters of opinion. And I want to touch on that point, nationalism, because I think it is a, it is a major misconception in, in this country specifically <laughs> of what exactly patriotism is. And the definition of patriotism, I, I will read it out to you, uh, the definition of patriotism is the quality of be patriotic devotion and vigorous support for one's country. But when we compare that to nationalism, which is the identification with one's own nation and support for its interests, especially to the exclusion or detriment of the interests of other nations. So, point I want to make is the difference between patriotism and nationalism is patriotism is when you have your country's best interests no matter what. But that means you focus on them. You, you have your country's best interest one way or another, which sometimes means changing. Nationalism, on the other hand, is a, a devotion, a 
I will do anything my country says because my country says it. And the thing I always like to point out is people say Colin Kaepernick isn't a patriot. I said, no, Colin Kaepernick actually is a patriot because he, is, he, ha- he wants his country's best interest. He wants change and is trying to make that change. The people that aren't being patriotic are the people that are saying it without any, any gumption behind it. Well, he's just disrespecting the flag. And that's it. That's their conference because that's what they hear from people they agree with, and so that's what they're going with. That is a stark difference, in my opinion, between what it is. And I think French makes a great point there, that that is not what you do in a free country, is determine what somebody is allowed to say. Um, And the thing that blows my mind continuously, and I have never really gotten a great answer on this, is how... The Green Beret, a respected man in the military, reached out personally to Colin Kaepernick and told him, because at first Colin uh, Kaepernick was sitting. He was sitting for the national anthem. And the Green Beret went up to him and said, well, you know what? It would be a lot better if you kneeled, um, because when we kneel, that's how we usually honor um, some of uh, the, the, the soldiers that have been lost. And it would just be a more respectful stance because that is something that you will see around the flag. Any, any sort of, uh, at times, you will see people kneeling for the flag, for fall, usually for fallen uh, soldiers. But that's the thing that I, I just don't understand how the argument wasn't over when a member of the military told Kaepernick exactly what to do. And he listened, like, without question, respected the man's opinion. And, and said, you know what, all right, that's a better thing f- to protest for. And the, the other, last point I want to make on this is with the, cur- with the modern climate and all of, all of the riots uh, post of, of George Floyd's death and all the looting, which people have been seriously critical of, it's like, well, a protest is invalidated once they start, once they start going after businesses. Well, clearly every protest is invalidated because – Kaepernick never raised a hand, never never tried to spur a rally of violence. There he was, not even asking any of his teammates or anyone else to change. He himself decided to go in silent protest, didn't even want to talk about it, didn't say he was going to do it, and, and, and did it. And somehow that isn't even allowed. That is still not good enough. So to anybody who criticizes both the riots and Colin Kaepernick, what would you like people to do in terms of protesting? Because I'll tell you what I think it is. I think people wish they just didn't protest. That's what it comes down to. I think it is a, a, a an invalid argument that is just people saying, well, I just think people should accept how things are. Wow. Well, uh, I just I am so excited that you brought up the, about the differences in nationalism and patriotism. Uh that's like a, 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 a tremendously interesting aspect of the current conservative movement. Uh, if we're going to delve really into politics right here, briefly, briefly, I'll, I'll bring it back to sports in a second. But you, you do have uh, the more populist section of uh, Trump supporters that are very much more nationalistic opposed to patriotic. And a lot of old school conservatives, uh, like like a David French type or or a or a Jonah Goldberg, who I may or may not reference to later in this, uh, they make the argument, 
more focused on patriotism and that nationalism is actually a detriment to uh, American liberty. So I, I love the fact that you just brought that up because that is such a, a good point. I think a lot of the focus on the flag itself is interesting because I think when people say, oh, he's disrespecting the flag. What the hell does that mean? <laughs> and and I think that is a, a nationalistic tendency to kind of instill a certain reverence to the flag. And I think, unfortunately, our national anthem kind of feeds yeah. into that. And, and the way we treat the national anthem, you know, we might cover this on a uh, on another podcast, but the fact that we have the national anthem before every sporting event in America is one a fairly new phenomenon, and two not representative of how sports works worldwide. Also, our national anthem. This is going to be controversial. Our national anthem is is a bad national anthem <laughs> because it's not it's not about America. It's not about the United States of America. It's yeah, kind of it just really about is. the flag itself. And and I think there is something <laughs> subconscious about it that has driven a lot of this conversation about the flag, the flag, the flag. When, yes, obviously a nation's flag is is a symbol of that nation. But too often, it's just yes. about the literal flag. Because it's the same it's the same people that say Oh, you can't burn. You shouldn't. You should make it illegal to burn the flag. That was another Trump thing that he talked about. Ever once, excuse me, President Trump thing that he wanted to uh, do at one point. When you know, the Supreme Court said no, that's protected free speech. But there's something just about that 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 hits more than just a symbol. There, there is something in our nationalistic tendency that the literal flag itself has stronger meaning to us than I think um, other nations. And and I, I do think that the, the national anthem plays into that itself and how often we play it before sporting events as well. Yeah, and, uh, well, I could give you one reason why the flag is, um, you know, seen as a massive symbol. They make kids stand up and sing to it every day i mean they get up you you are it is a a requirement to say the pledge in this country there's not many other countries that do anything like that and and so it's a again i don't want to go into it's 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 in doctrine from a young age you are from a young age said you were supposed to get up and respect the flag and, and and every morning you know say that you know, you know that, that 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 you respect the flag essentially, and I think that is that was taken, like you said, to a to a, to a nationalistic standpoint, to a point where again it's more than a symbol because you never hear anybody going on and on about how well the fact that bald eagles are going extinct in the United States is disrespecting our country, even though that is a huge symbol of our nation. Uh, so again, you're right; it is something very specific about the flag. 
and it's very specific to why it's always played during sporting events. And I've always said, why is it only played during sporting events? Sporting events, for some reason, are specific to this. We don't play it before concerts. We don't play it before, um, you know, like 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 big gatherings of, of entertainment or shows or anything like that. It is uh, exclusive to sports for reasons we can get into another time. Um, but it's 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 very interesting that it it is so much about the flag and. I don't want to stay on this point for a long time, but if you ever actually read the flag code oh, of what is and isn't disrespecting the flag, wow, is there is it riddled with some hypocrisy? You're not supposed to wear the you're not supposed to wear the flag as clothing. You're not even supposed to have it on clothing. You're not supposed to you're not supposed to have the flag horizontal, and yet every football game you see them bringing out the flag from end zone to end zone. It's there's so many things where we could go. What is just disrespecting the flag? And I'm telling you, I can find everyday examples that are more egregious of what written flag code is, and nothing in there talks about, uh, <laughs> you know, not respecting it during during the national anthem. You know, not standing for it during the national anthem. So I, I think th- this 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 idea again. It was it was blown up, you know, inflamed a lot by the president. Um, and the president, uh, presidential candidate at the time, Donald Trump. And so I, I, it's like it was riled up by a base, and it's one of those things where, like you said, it just became a culture war. And in the society we live in today where everything is so polarized, that was it. You were either, you were either with Colin Kaepernick or, or you, know, you were with veterans. And I just – I hate when, when political issues and – political issues in sports come down to that you're only allowed one side or the other you can't both support you can't both support the military and support colin kaepernick and i think kaepernick was doing both like i said he took advice from a green beret he could have you know he could if he was really again you know going against the military and going against you know america and our and our patriotic values then he would have told that green that that green beret to shove it I, i mean he wouldn't have listened to him and he would have he would have gone and continued to do what he was doing, maybe as a mockery of what that Green Beret told him. But he didn't. He listened because I think at the end of the day, Colin Kaepernick was trying to well, he was trying to get some kind of compromise. He was trying to reach out to the other side, to the people that were disagreeing with him, and it, it just it never seemed to work out because it just became an issue of are you on our side or not? And I don't think that's fair for a lot of people. I think a lot of people felt stuck in that situation because, like you said, sometimes they're politics deem that for them rather than them making that decision for themselves. Absolutely. And and before we move on, um, I just want to point out, it's interesting that Kaepernick's main complaint was police brutality and 90% of the conversations about military. Uh, so that, that's a, uh, interesting juxtaposition and uh, you know maybe that speaks more to the american psyche and our understanding of the militarization of police and, and authority but that that's a separate thing um before we move on though i do need to point out uh, i am very pro changing the national anthem to battle him of the republic because it's an absolute banger i agree <laughs> So the point I wanted to get into is the the ruling that the NFL ori- initially put out that said players had to stand for the national anthem 
that came when pressure coming from the top. The the president uh, at the time, it, Mike Pence had, had left the game. Uh, he was at a Colts game because and there were players kneeling, and so he got up and left. And the president tweeted about it, and Mike Pence and Vice President Mike Pence tweeted out about it. And the uh, the couple couple days later, or rather a yeah, a couple, actually two days later, Roger Goodell immediately responds and he goes, like many of our fans, we believe that everyone should stand for the national anthem. It is an important moment in our game. We want to honor our flag and our country, and our fans expect that of us. Immediately after the the national anthem, the, 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 the president and the vice president had come out and said, well, this is an issue. We're not We're not standing for this. Which, again, points out how quickly societal decisions or what society deems is right will find its way into sports immediately. The, the commissioner isn't going to go against what the president of the United States says because obviously we all know how riled up his base can get and we know that when you have any president, there you know there's millions of people that had to go out and vote for him on election night. So there are millions of people and there's a, probably a good cross-session that are NFL fans that are going to hear that, agree with him, and look at the NFL and say, all right, well, what are you going to do? Because the president of the United States doesn't prove about it. What are you going to do? And that's why they acted. That's why they put out the policy that says you have to stand for the national anthem. And we'll talk later how, how Goodell's, uh, <laughs> Goodell's opinion flipped a couple of years later once, uh, once the tides went the other way. But <laughs> I find that very interesting that immediately the, he, was, he was ready to listen to what, you know, immediately, two days later, Roger Goodell comes out and says, players need to respect the anthem. And they put out this, uh, he even says, he puts out a memo and says, we need to move past this controversy. And so it's very interesting to me that they did that. And then the reaction from players, the reaction from fans, and uh, even some NFL owners. I remember, I remember Chris Johnson, uh, owner of the New York Jets, said he would pay any fine that was levied toward his players who wanted to protest. And that's very interesting because he only got the job from Woody Johnson, his brother, who went to go to be the ambassador for the U.K. for President Trump. So clearly there was a lot of, of people that weren't as, um, you know, up for this. So in, it was May 23rd of 2018 where the new policy to address anthem protests was allowing players to, permit, uh, to stay in the locker room. But if you were going to come out on the field for the national anthem, you had to stand. And within, I kid you not, two months, May 23rd of 2018, and then on July 20th of 2018, the NFL and the Players Union agreed to halt the anthem policy in order to seek resolution, and we haven't heard much since, except the day after when the president said NFL players should be suspended for kneeling. It's just, it, it, it's, it's, it's incredible how, how quickly this, this was just a, 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 a push and pull. It was like, Trump makes, the NFL makes an action or inaction where they don't, they don't halt any of the protests, the president says something. Then the, then the NFL makes an action. They reverse on the action. Immediately, the president is, is, is on it. So it, it's just, again, it's very interesting to me of where people say that sports and politics don't mix. But you can see 
that the president had his eye on this because it was a culture thing. It was a, it was something that that um, he saw as an opportunity to get more people on his side to take a a stance on something that you know to take I guess the more popular stance at the time, which was which was to protest Kaepernick and you know be against him. And so I just find that so interesting that the the the, the NFL. And the highest political leaders in the land almost felt like they worked in tandem. Like, once one made an action, the other one had to make an action to make sure they agreed with that one. Or rather, was the, it was whatever President Trump said, we're going to try to f- find exactly where that's going to be. It's like, oh, now the Players Association doesn't like it. All right, well, we have to look after our players. And it, it kind of just went back and forth. And that's so interesting to me. Well, I think that's a, a function of two things. One, I, I, I think President Trump is, like, the first online president. President Trump gets a lot of his cues from Twitter, which, especially conservative Twitter, is very culture war heavy. And so I think that influences it. And it, it's a cycle because Trump pushes them, they push Trump, and so on and so forth. The one thing that really interested me of what you just put out was the conversation about Pence walking out of a Colts game and Goodell's reaction to President Trump's statements. And it reminded me of the often misinterpreted quote, absolute power corrupts absolutely. Too often people think that is about the person in a power and how that power corrupts them. But in fact, it is more accurate to say that quote is about the people surrounding the person in power and what power does to them and how it influences their decisions and their values and principles. Would Mike Pence normally walk out of a Colts game if he was just still the governor and not the vice president? I don't know. But the likelihood that he did it was increased because he was President Trump's vice president. And that power changed his actions. Roger Goodell, obviously influenced by Trump's power and seemingly went back and forth depending on who had the power as we will see later when he decided oh everything I meant was wrong you know I didn't mean any of that I was wrong you know when the power dynamic changed he his opinion and his actions changed and that is absolutely an indictment on people's inability to withstand the temptation of of power and a lack of courage and principle to stick with what they believe in in the face of corrupting power no that's that's a great point and i yeah i i think i think you're right to say that you know people's yeah their actions are are determined sort of by i guess you could say who's above them in in a sense sometimes you know especially especially with Goodell i mean it's 
again, it's it's a tough thing. It's a tough thing to to ride. I'm not saying Goodell had any easy choices here, but it's just it's just so interesting that they sort of go which way the wind blows. You know, at the time, it was a lot of people against Kaepernick. Well, Kaepernick shouldn't be in the league. Kaepernick should should stay on the on the sidelines, or he should stand up if he wants to get back into the league. And so that's what it kind of was. And then the narrative started to change. And then Kaepernick filed the grievance, which I don't we, I don't need to get too much into the grievance, but um, essentially um, Kaepernick and I think Eric Reed at the same time also filed a grievance. Um, and they a grievance that they were getting blackballed from teams because of their stances on um, on police brutality and and the anthem. If you don't know, Eric Reed was one of the first like outwardly supporters for Kaepernick that that joined him in the movement. Um, and another one people turned against, and so um, they filed that grievance. And Kaepernick made about I believe it was. Between the two of them, they had $10 million? Yeah, yeah. Grievance, yeah, Kaepernick, it was, grievance was just, just around $10 million, which seems like a lot, but was actually even less than his 2016 base salary. So, <laughs> it's not as simple to say, oh, well, he got his money from the league. That should be the end of the story. I personally, when it, at the time it happened, I'm like, oh, okay, the Kaepernick thing is over. Um, he filed his grievance. That that should kind of signal the end. Again, it again it, the optics of it at first is like, oh, we just got ten million dollars for, um, you know, for protesting. It's like, yeah, he did, but if he didn't get come be, get out of the league because of that, if he didn't come out of the league, um, at that time, he probably would have made a lot more money. Like I said, he was offered two years and fourteen million from the Denver Broncos before that season. So even in that. Even if he had played for two more years, he would have made a lot more money um, than what he made in this grievance. But then the grievance happened, and again, like I said, I thought the end of it. And then there came the very confusing workout, which even when I was researching this, I was like, what? (laughs) There were so many disputes between Kaepernick's legal team and the NFL and because at that time, the narrative was starting to change. After the grievance was filed, there was a lot of people, or even when, when the grievance was filed, the narrative shifted more towards what, I, what we were talking about in the first place of his talent of like, oh, well, there's, so, there's all these horrible backup quarterbacks. It's like, why does, why does a guy like Blaine Gabbert still get a chance to be a backup when Colin Kaepernick um, you know, could, could still probably produce better if not um, – you know, the same numbers. It's like, how, how could there be, you know, whatever. So there's 30, 32 NFL quarterbacks, starting quarterbacks, um, which, which means around and about maybe like 30 backups. And they're like, how could Colin Kaepernick not be one of the 60 best quarterbacks in the league um, to where he doesn't get any spot on a roster at all? And so people started to buy into uh, and believing more that there was uh, some sort of blackballing, that Kaepernick wasn't giving a fair shake. So in the never-ending uh, push and pull of Goodell deciding which way the wind, or making his decisions based on which way the wind goes, I think that, in part, was why they offered the workout in the first place, because they were hearing a lot of noise of them not giving Kaepernick a chance at all, and so they reached out. But it got very messy, 
um, as as it continued, there was over there was a lot of talk over the language that was in the contracts. There was a lot of talk over how many teams were allowed to come, where it was going to be, if the media was going to be allowed. It, it, it was so many. It was so many things that, to me, just sort of made the the workout feel ingenuine from the NFL. Like it was. Well, we're going to give you a chance, but only on our terms and only if you don't make a lot of noise about it. Because they were the ones that were in fans of not even allowing the media in, so there wasn't any sort of media frenzy about this, which is peculiar to me, to say the least. Well, I, th- I think both sides probably approached that in ways they shouldn't have. Uh, I, I do think there is a valid, ar- valid argument to say at that point, I would be, I think as the public is unsure what Kaepernick wants, does, does he want to go back to the NFL and perhaps have his uh, protest be more limited, or does he want to continue on being a symbol of of the Black Lives Matter protest, does he want to continue on making Nike commercials about um, racial injustice, or does he does he want to be a quarterback again for a, a, you know a middling team that needs a quarterback, and maybe he can't be as outspoken as he want because then he would be in the same exact position he was to begin with. And so I, I don't, I don't, I never expected anything to come out of that um, tryout because I wasn't sure if either side particularly wanted to make it work. I agree. Um, I think that's a that's a that's a much larger issue with the NFL and and their um, and you know you've seen that 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 coming back from players of how much control they 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 deserve. Um, and how much they want and all those things. Um, and you've seen that with like the contract disputes and everything that happened with the CBA last year and a lot of people telling them not to sign it. And um, so you can see that that it's a constant wrestling. I mean, in all leagues, but especially in, in the NFL now where it, the players have definitely, like you said, gotten the short end of the stick. So, you know, it, it's, it's still, it, 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 it's, it's very interesting because I think – but I think you're right, what you were saying before of, at some point, I think Kaepernick accepted the fact that it is more important for him to be the leader of a movement than to be uh, an NFL quarterback. And he gains a lot of sport in that because he now it, it is he's now seen as a martyr. You know, that he decided, and I, uh, mm-hmm. it's, very, it's very Kurt Flood-esque. And I don't want to. I don't want to pull that name without uh, w- w- without <laughs> uh, you know any any context. Kurt Flood was the was the MLB player that pushed for free agency and pretty much sacrificed his MLB career. He was a pretty good MLB player. Sacrificed his career more or less to make sure that that players got what they wanted. And eventually, he was successful. And every player, and I think it was super important. This is a side tangent at this point. But Garrett Cole, after signing the largest free agent contract ever still reflected on somebody like Kurt Flood and every player who signs a contract from now until whenever 
in the MLB should thank Kurt Flood, and Kurt Flood sacrificed his career for that. He was baseball's martyr. Kaepernick, in essence, is the same thing. He decided to, in, in some ways, sacrifice the, his future. He mortgaged his future in order to be um, you know, a, a, an advocate for social justice, and I think that's it's commendable. That's that's why the, the 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 workout thing just didn't didn't fit with me. That's why I just always felt like, obviously Kaepernick was still working out because that was part of his narrative is that he was still a competent competent NFL quarterback that was getting, um, that was getting rubbed that, that was getting the short end of the stick from the league and was not given the same opportunity. That was part of his message, but I don't think he necessarily wanted to go through with it. Not that he didn't want to, but it, it wouldn't have bothered him. If he had just been, if if he wasn't even reached out for the workout, if he'd never played the game, I think at that point, if he'd never played a game in the NFL again, he would have been totally fine with it. And that's why the uh, the workout thing, when he when that when it came out with that, was just like, okay, what what are the motivations here? Are we actually trying to get Colin Kaepernick a job, or is this just a way to sort of appease the base that opposes you? And I think the latter was was far more true in this situation, and I, I, that brings us into into our next point, at least the next point I wanted to reach into, and we, which we've already touched on, is how the, the trend has gone the other way, and you have seen the NFL uh, follow in in lockstep with with the with the workout, as I just mentioned, and obviously what happened after the the death of George Floyd, where. Um, Goodell got up a microphone and basically said, you know what, four years ago, we got it wrong. Thanks. Thanks, Roger. <laughs> <laughs> so that, that was a, a moment to me that, that A, um, at least for me, sort of confirmed that that workout was, 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 was slightly phony. Um, but this, this was just one of the most like, empty statements I had heard from from somebody in power because it didn't say anything it was just well you know it, again it's like your actions define the reality it's not necessarily so much about words and the actions of the years prior were clearly were more concerned about defending the shield as you said um than than than, than standing with players and then as soon as the narrative flipped and Black Lives Matter was suddenly at front and center of the conversation again, here is the NFL coming out and saying the exact opposite. I think we very well could rename this episode as Roger Goodell Profiles in Courage. <laughs> but uh, on a more serious note, you are right. Roger Goodell's flip-flop is just embarrassing. And uh, I really have nothing more to say than it's just, it's it's embarrassing. And obviously, he is just, you know, licking his finger, putting it in the air, and seeing which direction the wind's blowing and going with it. And maybe that's the right move to make as a CEO, as a commissioner for a league, but I don't think it has any real moral principle to it. 
No, and I think you're right. As a CEO, you have to say those things, it feels like, and that's also sad is that if a lot of a lot of a lot of these people put it out as like you said just to sort of to 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 make sure that you know they're they're with it um you know and again again it it feels like a lot of just for show it's the same thing with with nike and the ads that they did with colin kaepernick there was no major nike ad with kaepernick after the um the first one the first one that caused a lot of controversy and you saw a lot of people you know burning their Nike socks, which, oh, God, burning jerseys. <laughs> to be fair to Nike, though, it's not like they've thrown Kaepernick out of the conversation. Uh, as recently as 2019, they Kaepernick still had the power to cancel a Nike shoe release. I don't know if you remember this. Uh, Nike, for the 4th of July, was releasing um, Betty Ross, the Betty Ross flag, the... Mm. The 13, 13 colonies flag. And they were going to release that shoe until Kaepernick convinced them not to. Mm. And and the reasoning to do that, I find silly. Um, it's not necessary to go into it. I, I, I understand that 13 colonies had slavery, you know, obviously, and that is a moral stain. But I, again, it's about what the flag represents as a whole but that's besides the point i do think nike genuinely valued his opinion as recently as july of last year so i i i understand maybe um externally they're not producing imagery that makes it seem that way but i think internally that they still very much value his opinion on these things well, that's good. I actually, I did not, I, I did forget about that, so I'm glad you brought it up. Um, but that's, that's still, uh, I will never really understand what the stance on Colin Kaepernick truly was in the NFL. Because it had a lot of different situations to, a lot of different pieces of context um we can talk about some of kaepernick's actions during the time very, that's very and, much where i would like to go after this because i think uh we, we we've had a really good introspection on the people around surrounding kaepernick and their responses to him uh, i would like to talk about missteps he made along the way but i'm sorry you can finish yeah but um exactly it um, we'll never really know what the the temperature on how good Colin Kaepernick was and how many teams wanted him and who would have taken that risk because there were so many circumstances surrounding it that I I think changed that. And it had so much to do with what society thought, what the fans thought of, of Colin Kaepernick that decided what they were going to do, not their own conviction. And I, again, that's a, that's a symbol of the fact that this was about the flag and the anthem and not about something like drug or domestic abuse charges, which then it seems like, oh, well, then they make their own decisions. We decide um, that this person is, is, is good enough to still play in our league. And there are you can you could tell there are certain teams more willing to do that uh, than others. The, the Cowboys specifically pride themselves in saying that, oh, well, we pick guys off the scrap heap and we reform them and make them better and and all these things post their their arrests and whatnot, and that's it's all well and good, 
But it's interesting how that is more of an individual effort in those situations. But when it came to Kaepernick, it was a lot more about the NFL as a whole, society, and, of course, the president, which complicates things very much so. But as you said, there were moments where Kaepernick misstepped, and I think what we want to um, go, go in, uh, cover in this is about the timing, how, as I just mentioned, the context and the circumstances surrounding it didn't necessarily put this into a vacuum. It wasn't as simple as, well, what is your stance on social justice? Then that should be your decision on whether or not you, 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 you sign Colin Kaepernick. Because obviously there were pressures coming from a lot of different places. Um, and so and, and Kaepernick played that into it as well. So uh, wh- where do you want to start on, on Kaepernick's actions? Well, I want to look at two things that he uh, – one action and something he said that I think heavily influenced the conservative reaction to him and possibly made – possibly obscured his point in ways that I think he would regret – the first one is the quote that he responded to Trump with of, uh, he always says, uh, he always says, make America great again. Well, America has never been great for people of color. That's something that needs to be addressed. Let's make America great for the first time. I, I think if he stopped after he said, that America has never been great for people of color. There would have been complaints. It's an absolute. But I think people would have understood his point. But the let's make America great for the first time hit home in certain ways that even, even I noticed it. When you say something like that, it really gets to the idea of what is national greatness. What is greatness to begin with? When you say something like, let's make America great for the first time, someone's going to sit there and say, we haven't been great before? Were we not great when we stormed to the beaches of Normandy? You know, and, and yes, that is a kind of hyperbolic response, but I do think there is something inherent in, in, I've been using this word a lot, but the psyche of the nation and the myth, the mythology of the nation that, and if I could just, I want to let you finish, but just to, to interject on that point, it's so interesting that you say that, but you didn't hear those same kind of things with, well, what does make America great again mean? Are we not great currently? Absolutely. When, absolutely. when were we great before? And mm-hmm. so that is that is very interesting of how, depending on who's saying it, um, and what your, I guess, all perception of them is already, it's very interesting how those two things, you can make the same argument, but you absolutely. make it for one and not the other. Absolutely. And it's a, I've had a very similar complaint, you know, about make America great again. And... I know people will point to the fact of, of issues of racial injustice and 
those are extremely valid concerns. But I, I do think the mythology of America matters and its ideals matter. You know, we hold these truths to be self-evident that all men are created equal, that they are endowed by their creator with certain unalienable rights, that among these are life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. Mm-hmm. That is that is a set of ideals that a nation seeks to to live up to. And and the interesting thing about ideals is that you never get there. Because we are humans and we are flawed. And therefore we, we our government and our nation is flawed. But there you're always moving to the position of your ideals. And maybe maybe that's hypocrisy, but I think that's just life. And moving to those ideals and, and continually progressing to be a more equal nation is part of the American psyche. And, and therefore, I, I do think yep. that when you say something like, let's make America great for the first time, you are ignoring that set of ideals that we've always had. Mm-hmm. Well, I, I, not necessarily. I mean, like you said, is he not still moving towards? Again, we, we can discuss what greatness is, but he's he's trying to say that we are still moving towards that goal, that pursuit of life, liberty, and happiness for all men. All men are created equal, which I think the thing that is focused on is it. It is still to this day. It is not all men are created equal. That that's really. So I think what what Kaepernick's point in that is is you know it's like we are we are a nation built on all men are created equal and until all men are created equal America is not great is usually is the argument that is made and I I completely see that as well I'm not saying that society I think and I think there's a difference I think there is um, again I think that comes down back to the the conversation of nationalism versus patriotism it's just like well, I do love my country. I love my country so much that I want us to improve um, is, is where Kaepernick is coming from. So, yeah, I think, I think it came down – again, it was, it was more about nuance because he said – and again, I think, if, like you said, if he had stopped where he said, well, America has not always been great for b- b- black and brown people or minor uh, – I can't remember the actual quote. Um, and so it was just like he said that it was uh, – you know, it has never been great – for minorities, and I think you're right. If he had stopped there, that that said, um, you know, just to give people a little more perspective, I think it would have been um, taken uh, a lot differently. Um, and speaking of things that can be taken a lot differently, uh, we we also need to talk about the uh, in in Miami where he came into a press conference with Absolutely. the Fidel Castro shirt, which again, a lot of context to be taken with that. Um, I believe you have the quote of that because I don't. Yeah, I, don't have I, I could read that down for you. Um, I well, I think wearing a Castro shirt in Miami, no matter why you wear it, is is it is an aggressive move. A a, a oh, move. I, I agree that you have to know is going to rile people up, is going to piss off people, and are, and, and a move that is going to make people question your intent. Because yep. 
he is all was already being accused of being anti-American. Unfairly so. Unfairly so. But then you go to a Miami, a city famous for its Cuban population and its anti-Castro population. And you wear a shirt with Castro and you say that, oh, listen, you know, his health care positions were very good. He was anti-apartheid. Fantastic. Didn't need to wear a Castro shirt to make that point. Yep. You, you, you Agreed. You don't need to wear a Castro shirt to say, look at Malcolm X and what he did for the black community. He could have worn a Malcolm X shirt. Absolutely. He could have worn a lot of things. He could have worn anything and said the exact same thing, and it would have been perceived differently. And I think that's that's the point I was making. Not necessarily that his action was justified. is that the intent behind it was good. And the intent behind him, and like you said, him responding to the president was a good idea. It made sense because he was being attacked. And he came and he came back. And in this situation, he was trying to make a statement. He was in Miami. So I, I think it's it's that's a that's a great point to say. Well, you know, I, I think this is might be where we disagree a little bit. I don't have an issue with him saying what he said in Miami because it puts a lot of context, a little bit of context rather than than just saying it out of the blue. Like if he was in Denver and just said, yeah, Fidel Castro and, and Malcolm X listened to each other. I don't think they were the same effect. I think it was, uh, again, it was, um, again, it wasn't taken, wasn't done the right way. Wearing the shirt was not the right move. But I think what he said, even being in Miami, to have that reference point of, you know, people that escaped from Fidel, and understandably so, but, you know, there are there are lessons we can learn from our enemies, um and and find a sense of unity and i think that's one of the most under uh underappreciated aspects of of kaepernick's actions is a lot of these times he is trying his best to 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 get some kind of compromise or to to reach across the aisle so to say to reach across to the other side of those who disagree with him and try to at least make that point like when he spoke to the green beret and listened to him or in this situation where he was just trying to provide a, just a, an anecdote, really, of how it's possible for people of different sides to disagree and still help one another. But the timing and the context and the situation just, it didn't line up. Yeah, I, I, I still have to disagree ultimately on this Fidel Castro shirt move because it. it oh, no, I no no we're, no I agree on the I I, I was saying I, I I disagree on wearing the shirt. But but let me I, continue, please. I agree and bring yeah go ahead because. Sorry. It wasn't just wearing the shirt, because it was the things that he said. He said to one reporter, who was born in Havana, right, quote, One thing Fidel Castro did do is that they have the highest literacy, literacy rate because they invest more in their education system than they do in their prisons, prison system, which we do not do here, even though we're fully capable of doing that, end quote. I fully understand the point he was trying to make. I think. Actually, maybe I don't fully understand. But I, I, I think the point he was trying to make is that there are ways we can look to other governments and see how they invest in education for minorities. And, may, you know, we do have 
an issue with criminal justice in our nation, and I think there is some common sense prison reform that we could have, and that makes full sense. But here's the thing. What he did was not only honestly stupid, but I'm not sure he, he realized the consequences of the comparison there, because you're not only comparing Castro to his education system, but you're also comparing Castro to his prison system, because you're tying the two together. And Fidel Castro is a despot dictator who had firing squads and political prisoners. And and so when you tie those things together, honestly, you come off looking like you don't know what you're talking about. And to a certain segment of the uh, of the population, they're going to see that and 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 point to that and say, "See, that is anti-American." Now, I'm not taking that position, but I understand how people see that and say, what the hell, man? Mm-hmm. I, I agree. And I, I think that is that is the, the thing about Colin Kaepernick as a whole in this situation is we things, – things require so much context and nuance and, and what he's talking about that it, it is very easy – to see that in some of his actions, he had very good intent, but he also left. He he, he pretty much he he made a he made a grandiose statement, um, and then left the room of his enemies with 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 a gun and the ammo to load. <laughs> it, that's very just he gave his he gave the opposition just that, that that even if it was just a small part of what he said for them to blow that up into the into the bigger story and and lose his message. The the idea that he's that he's disrespecting the flag and, and veterans rather than he's standing up for social for for, for racial injustice, um, you know this idea that he was just trying to point out that there was that that there are, um, you know ways to to look at other governments and ones that maybe don't fall with our ideals and still you know take take ideas from them, but it's taken but it but it but you know the way he did it was. Um, you know, just it just it, it just clearly didn't work out, and it was just kind of it, again. It was it was just not as comprehensive as you'd want it to be to to a point where it's like, okay, I completely understand his actions and look, or what he said, and look, every you are always going to try and find something. I don't think there is a, I don't think Colin Kaepernick could ever come out with a perfect statement. To where nobody would be upset with him because they're always going to find one mm-hmm. things and they're going to parse it a different way and use it as oh well he, he doesn't really care. I think my issue ultimately with the pig socks and the Fidel Castro shirt in Miami is I don't think Colin Kaepernick is dumb. He has to know that wearing pig socks and wearing the Castro shirt is going to rile people up. And therefore, he did it on purpose, and it is deliberately antagonistic. And I don't know why he would do that, If how that helps his message, besides just owning the conservatives, to use a phrase that, pe- that people like. You know, 
I, I have to question what the intent is to do that because it's not a unifying message. It's not an attempt to have a introspective conversation with people. It's not an attempt to explain to people in middle America of the bad things that can happen to black teens, uh, you know, when they're arrested or attempted to be arrested, that, that there is no nuance in it. It's just antagonistic. And, and I, it makes me question a lot of where he's coming from when he does stuff like that, because I, I do believe that he has the, I do I, I don't think he did this to be famous. I, I think he did this because it's something he believes in. But when you do stuff like that, it, it really makes you question well, where he's coming from. It, it's straight out of the Malcolm X book. You know, um, if there's a you know, if, if there's a fire in your house, you want to put the fire out immediately. It is not something that you call somebody and be like, oh, well, let's 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 slowly put out the fire. We'll, we'll eventually get it done because then things are going to be burned out. So I think that's where it comes from of you need to be – there has been an outcrying. It's not like Black Lives Matter was silent before Colin Kaepernick. It wasn't like the, the call to reform racial injustice wasn't around. I mean before Colin Kaepernick was in the thing, we had um, – you know there, 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 there was rallies and the Rodney King – riots in in the 90s i mean these these things were around and clearly we we have now it has now been 40 52 years since the uh uh since the civil rights bill was passed and there are still there are still issues with um you know you know minority minorities voting getting legal legal documentation racial profiling there's a bunch of different issues and there have been people shouting about it there have been people saying we need reform we need it here we need it there but there obviously hasn't been the response in this half a decade that has been expected so kaepernick is doing it as a way to being this aggressive and this uh antigone antagonistic as you said is to because it it, it's sort of it 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 you have to put eyes on it you have to um start you, you have to pay attention to it. But the problem it creates is it just sometimes it just puts gives people more of an opportunity to alienate you even farther um, for people to say, well, he's being so inflammatory. Um, just like you said, I don't think he's trying to own anybody. I don't think he's just trying to, to, to you know, silence his haters. I think he's I think he's trying to refine his message and it just comes out in certain different in, in in poor ways i don't think he's i don't think he's stupid either yeah i don't think he just gains the full perspective i think it's and this is a, the big problem that i kind of want to um start moving towards is i think he knows that his base when he says those things will listen to him and for me it, it gave me some perspective i was like oh wow i would have never thought about I never knew that Fidel Castro and Malcolm X worked together. And there's a lot of people, or not worked together, you know what I mean, um, that, you know, they spoke and, and, and discussed issues. And so I think that's a good thing for people that need to be educated. But I think where he is lacking the perspective is, like you said, of trying to find that, that middle ground. 
I think he is getting his word out to his base and hopefully, you know, um, you know, making them take action um, or, or take it a little more seriously or be more educated. But I don't I think he is failing to find the middle ground where he can get the other side to agree with him. And I bring back to the point. I think he did that. When he, when he listened to the Green Beret, and I still just don't understand it, that is just is still just, just mind-boggling to me. Of, I, of any actions that you can say he did perfectly, listening to the Green Beret and changing from sitting to kneeling was the one. That was the one. So again, I, I have to continue questioning, what can he do? What, seriously, I just, I can't figure it out. Because that is that is a point where I think both sides could agree with it. He had you're like stop disrespecting the military. Okay, if somebody from the military told me to do it this way, that that should, should have been the again. That still should have been the end to me. I, I again. So while I don't agree with him sort of changing his platform from there and becoming more antagonistic, I understand his frustration where it's like, well, I really. I really did my best here to to try to uh, you know be cool with both sides and give a a uh, um, a middle ground here, but clearly it didn't work out. So I can understand the shift to more, I guess you know antagonist stuff, but I I don't necessarily agree with it. Before we move on, I I do want to ask this then: Was that move effective? Was it effective? Because the, the, the move to be more antagonistic, if we... Because I, 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 I do think that's the appropriate way to put it. Ultimately, what he was aiming for happened. And a, a larger conversation about racial injustice and police brutality. But I don't think it necessarily came because of him. And and maybe that's maybe that's unfair to him and his influence he had on the culture, and I I, I think maybe that that influence is is seen in people who kneel as a response to these things. But ultimately, it was proof of these actions in the form of video, like the George Floyd killing and the Eric Gardner killing. And, and these videos spoke to people more than Kaepernick did. And I, I think that's a, a natural uh, part of, of the visual of, of seeing someone dying. Yeah. But I do think that makes that, that, that it is fair to question if Kaepernick's move there was effective as a whole. And I'm I'm unsure of the answer. Well, I I to to your point about um uh, about was it did 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 was more conversation around because of Kaepernick. I would say yes because I other 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 than 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 a few, I don't think the average athlete, you know, the guy who doesn't necessarily have the talent to to stay in the league because of controversy. You know, someone like Muhammad Ali had every right, well not you know had could could say pretty much whatever he wanted because he was Muhammad Ali and he knows people 
we're still going going to to be fair i i think that is whitewashing a lot of what ali went through but that that that's another topic no but what my, my my point being is that with with muhammad ali you know there was a lot of things there's a lot of things muhammad ali could say and people would still want you know we talk about that of how you know talent eventually overcomes any kind of controversy you know there's always been like superstars that could come out and say things um and uh you know not really you know uh, see any consequences for it i don't except, think that except Drew Brees. <laughs> except Drew Brees. <laughs> but um but oh i mean was there there was there was controversy but i don't think he never faced any consequences we'll get that in a second but i just yeah. think that what colin kaepernick did and the reaction to it of him not only you know going going out on his dying on his sword and becoming the martyr and saying and i think there's a lot of truth to it of saying that he was you know blackballed from the league because of his stances and we've talked about it there's a lot of nuance and um context for for why that happened but i think that model is something that that scared other owners of other leagues and other commissioners so I, I think that is what Kaepernick did is he gave a voice to the to the to the average player um, to allow them to speak without as much consequence because I don't think any other league would want a situation like Colin Kaepernick where they, they felt their fan base was against them for for blackballing a player. But uh, you mentioned it before and uh, this is one of the, one of the things I want to talk about sort of what I touched on before with Kaepernick and sort of listening to his base is, is echo chambers. And I, I think the the biggest thing we talk about with echo chambers is how this devolved from a situation of police brutality to disrespecting the flag and the military. And that comes from the fact that when you just listen to people who agree with you, when you just listen, if you're a conservative and all you listen to is the conservative opinion, you hear that morphing of, oh, well, if he doesn't respect the flag, the, the flag represents this, and, and then eventually it morphs in this idea, and it becomes a, a unified thing on one side. It's like, okay, this is no longer about police, police brutality. We're mad about the flag. And I think that's um, seen perfectly with, with Drew Brees. I think most NFL fans knew Brees' opinion on this because he mentioned it a while back when the Kaepernick first began to kneel. And, and this first became, to, it became an issue. And the response wasn't necessarily to a, an Instagram post. It was actually uh, an interview he did with Yahoo Finance. So to be fair to Breeze, the, an interviewer asked him a question and he answered honestly. And I always appreciate honesty. But the thing that really stands out to me on the Breeze issue was the response from teammates. Uh, well, teammates, that they, they had to know already his positions on this. They're in a ro- locker room. It's not like Breeze is new to the Saints. He's been there for a decade. Everyone knows who he is and what his opinions are. And yet, there was serious talk about not wanting to play with him about locker room strife. And I think that's unfortunate because 
I think a lot of it was performance, um, uh, both by Breeze and some of the players. And I don't mean that as in they didn't genuinely feel the way they do. But you have, you know, you've played with Drew for five years. You consider him a friend. He says something silly. And the first thing you do is post about it on social media. You don't call him, talk to him, explain, hey, Drew, I I, I love you, but like you're misinterpreting what we mean here. And and. And I I think that's un- unfortunate because everything had to play out in, in a media landscape where there was visible, visible strife in the clubhouse and all across the NFL when Brees uh, said that. And, and let me give you the exact quote what he said because... Honestly, I'm surprised by how inane it actually is. Quote, I love and respect my teammates and I stand right there with them in regard to fight for racial just racial equality and justice. I also stand with my grandfathers who risked their lives for their country and countless other military men and women who do it on a daily basis. End quote. So yes, you are right. He is concerned with the disrespect to military men and women. And, you know, maybe he doesn't understand that there meant no disrespect. But I think he clearly puts out there that, hey, I support my teammates doing this. I stand right there with them in regard to fighting for racial equality and justice. There There is no wavering there. That there, there, there is nothing there that's that's has Drew Brees staying there saying, my teammates should sit. And I'm going to make them sit. He said, I am going to stand, that, but I support their right to do what they think is right for f- facing racial equality and justice. And so I have to wonder why this blew up as much as it did, and maybe that's because Drew Brees is a conservative quarterback in the NFL and it's a juxtapositional issue. So so what do you think there? Well, again, I think it was I think it was the context of it. I mean, that's a it's a poor interview question to ask again when in in the wake of of something uh like the the, the George Floyd death uh killing. It was just it just felt so again, I think the response was so just are you even again again? And it wasn't like you're right. It wasn't Drew Brees necessarily coming out and and making a and making a statement and and putting his stamp on it. Obviously that uh, that Instagram post sort of sort of came up later in um, I think in the context of the conversation. But I think it just it just didn't feel again. It it didn't feel right it, again if he understands the that he's right there in the fight with with his with, with 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 his teammates that he completely understands their you know stance on social social injustice and that he's there with him 
why then does he also make the point these should be two separate issues, as we've talked about. His support of the military and his support of his teammates are two different things. That's where the fact that he added that makes you go, why are, we're not talking? I mean, we're, we're not talking about the flag here. We are we are talking about racial injustice, and we weren't even talking about Kaepernick. We were talking about we were talking about George Floyd, and so to pretty much bring it back to Kaepernick, and we know that the, the president came out um, a little bit later in, in support of Drew Brees and took another shot at Colin Kaepernick. And I think that's where people got upset. And why I think it's, it's, it's so dangerous is that it was so ingrained in him that the protests and just even the topic of, of racial injustice and NFL players standing up for racial injustice is an immediately callback to, wait, I have to make sure that I defend the military and my, my family in this one. I understand his perspective on it. I understand that in the circles that he's in, it's probably very important, um, but the f- to, to say that, well, Drew Brees ha- had to come out and support his family, if his family doesn't know that he already supports them, that's a, that's a bigger issue. Yes. I don't think he necessarily has to come out and say that in an interview. I think that's where people got upset. It's not that he didn't say it. You know, for one, we talk about, well, the NFL just comes out and says the exact same things and has no meaning behind it. I'm not saying that's not Drew Brees. But you can interpret that quote as being, well, he kind of just said that for show and reality. Okay, he really just believes in this. I think that's where it's like, and it also comes down to what Kaepernick said, where he made that line, let's make America great once again. It was the fact that Drew Brees connected the two without without a, uh, just out of, because that's just how You're he right. sees it. And Absolutely. I think that's what people yeah. were, upset, were upset about, is that he, he brought it up for really for no reason. In a, in a completely different context. When it comes down to his teammates, I tend to agree with you. I think it was a lot of performance to say, oh, I don't know if I want to play with Drew Brees. But th- I think I, I don't think – yeah, some teammates went to social media, but I know that when and Drew Brees came out, he, when he, and he apologized, he mentioned that you know his teammates came and talked to him and gave him the perspective that he needed, and he changed his opinion, and I genuinely believe – with Drew Brees' track record, with what he did in with what he did in New Orleans after mm-hmm. after Hurricane Katrina, with, with only being there for what maybe like a year, a year and a half at the time, and what he did and his constant uh, he's an NFL Man of the Year award winner. So there, with Drew Brees' track record, it's very ob- it's 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 plain to see that he clearly just had some misperspective, and I believe him when he says that his um, that his opinions have changed and that he learned better because his actions back that up. The exact opposite of what I mentioned with Roger Goodell, where his actions said he did not support Colin Kaepernick outwardly and then said something that said that 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 changed it. With Drew Brees, I believe him when he says when he says that oh I spoke to my teammates, I, I didn't have the greatest perspective on it. I understand now why they fight and why they why they kneel. And I think that it that is super that that is super important. So so I think that whole situation was actually handled fairly well because considering that it was an interview question and Drew Brees was just trying to give his genuine answer and was lacking some perspective and maybe a little context in the the world we were in. Well, I mean, the world we're still in. <laughs> I act like this wasn't two months, two, three months yeah. ago. And it feels like <laughs> a year. Feels like years ago. Quarantine, quarantine <laughs> adds years to your life. 
<laughs> yes, yes, it does. But um, I think the lacking context made people upset, and that it, it sort of stung because it was, again, it's like we're we're talking about racial injustice, and you brought up the flag when it hasn't come up in a while. But I, I think I think the the response to it was maybe I, I agree with you was maybe a little more show, um, to just say that to just you know to to just say it so that you see you don't seem like you're necessarily in concert with Drew Brees. Again, I think things could have been said a little different. They could have just come out and says, yo, Drew's got to, even if they want to say something publicly, they could be like, yo, Drew needs to gain a little perspective here. But like to come out and say, maybe we won't play with him. I think you're right. That's a little extreme. But overall, I think the situation and in the process it went through was actually handled pretty well um, internally. Obviously, externally, it had some consequences. Uh, the president inserted himself back into the narrative with that. Um, and that's and, the main issue coming out of this. Right. So if you want to But before that up, we move you... there. Go ahead. Before we move there, I just want to clarify a couple of things. You know, I'm, I'm just pulling up a, an article by uh, Micah Triplett from uh, ESPN talking about this specific uh, interview. Cat uh, Bree's comment didn't really come out of nowhere because uh, the interview asked him to revisit uh, Kaepernick's protest. So it's it's not like, uh, you know, a miss George Floyd protest and everything. He's like, ah, but the flag. To be fair to Breeze, there was a direct question about Kaepernick and kneeling. And I do want to point out that uh, Malcolm Jenkins, who made one of those social media videos uh, about Breeze, he did ultimately delete it. Um, after Breeze reached out to reached out to him to to discuss his point of view and whatnot, so it does seem like I think some of the players involved realized that maybe their response wasn't necessarily appropriate for someone they consider a friend. Yeah. So uh, that was a uh, it was interesting. I I also I you know as 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 a journalism major, I'm sitting here racking my brain like, why would you ask a question like that? Just why? You know, I, that, that's, that's, that, that's, a whole, that's a whole separate... <laughs> For the clicks, my friend, it became a controversy. Exactly. That's exactly why you asked that question. Like I said, he was clearly missing a little bit of perspective there. Clearly his, uh, his teammates didn't react in the most appropriate way. But, you know, who, who, who would have thought we could actually get some civil discourse, some discussion, and somebody could change their opinion? Isn't, isn't that amazing? <laughs> isn't that amazing how that works? Yeah. <laughs> well, you know who didn't change his opinion? <laughs> President Donald Trump. That's for certain. So, uh, after that interview and after Drew Brees came out and said he had time to reflect and uh, talk to his teammates, Trump went to Twitter like he is inclined to do and said that uh, Drew Brees would regret uh, his changing stance. And so uh, wh what do you think about the, the president's need to inject himself into every conversation uh, that anyone <laughs> ever had, ever? I think that is the most damaging. I think, I think what the president said is more damaging than what Breeze ever said. Um, because, mm -hmm. as we just talked about, civil discourse... And changing your opinion or compromising it is something that we should all do, that we should all take 
that we shall take some time to to think about and you know hopefully change our perspective because it's or at least be open to listen because i i think the president coming out and saying oh you're gonna regret changing your decision you're gonna regret standing with your teammates rather than rather than going out on a limb and and, and sticking to your own beliefs i think i think is incredibly damaging because again it, it it inspires so many people to stick to to their opinions like the president says and i think that is that is a, a tough thing because then what are you supposed to sell somebody? It's like, well, the president doesn't change his opinions, so why should I? And what are you supposed to say to that? Mm-hmm. If there's really, really not much to say to that if somebody has that perspective because it's tough. It is, it is the leader of the free land coming out and giving a very poignant opinion um, on something. And at the end of the day, it has nothing to do with President Trump, this is a completely this is the NFL and done in NFL circles and sports circles, and I think this is part of where people don't realize um, how much they interact. Is this was something that the president has been using since he was a presidential candidate to to get to garner support, and when you can tell that a conservative base is against Colin Kaepernick, you say something against Colin Kaepernick, and people are the the base you're trying to hit will support you. And so another huge thing I want to get out of this podcast and get people to listen to is to understand how much political leaders use sports as leverage. And I think the president's opinion was already very solid on this, but he saw an opportunity to to gain a little more support and he took it. That's one thing that that I think is uh, is, is so interesting because it's like players use something as le- you know players try to use their base to to give some perspective on on what they believe is is wrong in the world and that scene is poor but a political a, a political leader takes the opportunity to use sports as something to you know forward their reelection campaign or whatever. And that scene is as totally normal. That that doesn't make any sense to me. And um, directly to to your point about political campaigning, I pulled up an article uh, from Five Thirty Eight that was written in October of twenty seventeen. So Trump was already president. He already voiced his opinion on this issue. It's become part of the American culture war at this point. And Five Thirty Eight went through a bunch of different polls. I know we live in a world where polls are very much put into question, especially after the <laughs> recent election, but I, I, I do think there's some valuable insight. And 538 looked at all these poll results, and there was a lot of conflicts. But there was a couple of things that they're pretty confident on, and that's that the data points to a plurality of Americans don't like, or at least didn't like, Kaepernick's NFL protest. But that's at least if they weren't told what the players' goals were. So if, if they didn't understand why they were kneeling, then a plurality of Americans didn't like the protest. But Americans generally dislike protests involving the flag or anthem. So that may be why 
plurality of Americans didn't like the NFL protest until they were told what the players' goals were. There's just something inherent about it. And to what the players' goals are, uh, 538 also found that most Americans think racism is a problem in the abstract, but people are less likely to support the Black Lives Matter movement. Now, to me, I think that speaks a little bit to um, how Black Lives Matter as a movement yeah. works and the politics of it, but that's an, that, that's another aspect. And finally, 538 found that Americans are broadly supportive of the importance of free speech in general, though opinions are more muddled when people are asked about kneeling during the anthem in particular. So I think that goes back to uh, our idea, uh, our conversation of profiles of courage uh, and the idea that, hey, a bunch of Americans, Americans love free speech yep. until it's speech they disagree with. I can imagine there is a lot of people who initially were, were against Colin Kaepernick, were, were completely like, what is he doing? Why is he doing this now? Why is this causing so much attention? Even I was there at one point. I was like, why? Why? Like, what, what, what is the point of this? And as the more I saw it and the more I looked into it, the more my opinion started to change and morph to where I said, okay, I completely understand it. Um, I understand why. I understand his reasoning. I understand, you know, the actions in which he's going towards. And I think for a lot of people, that just, that doesn't happen. They, they come in. They, they see what they don't like, and they don't realize that, oh, well, actually, this is a right that somebody says. Y you know, like, this really is free speech. And I think a lot of people, when they come to that, like um, that article you, you, you brought up from, from French, it's just like um, you have to at some point realize your own hypocrisy, and that's okay. And I think a lot of people don't do that. I think a lot of people can't accept the fact that something that you can disagree with somebody can still legally do and is still allowed to in this country and is still totally acceptable even if you don't agree with it and i think that is a a societal issue uh inflamed by the president in a lot of situations but in this one you know involving breeze and kaepernick where is just reinforcing the idea that your base is your base and you don't move from it your stance is it and it doesn't change and i think that is a poor thing to go about in in sports and i think it's a, a a poor way to go about it as an individual at the end of the day i think we lack the ability to have conversations where we might be able to change our opinion because i think there is a place where if things were handled right and the um you know, with the whole Green Beret situation and some of the actions Kaepernick took after and the responses from both the president, the commissioner, Drew Brees, whoever, I think there could have been a situation where people said, you know what, I do agree with this. Because as you mentioned, as a whole, people understand that racism is a problem in this country. But it is the way it has gone about where people disagree and i think it has less to do about the actions and more about the words and the conversations we have and the conversations sometimes we refuse to have the only thing i would add is that 
I really appreciate that we can have a nice civil conversation on a topic that has inflamed many people. And that I hope someone takes value out of this and maybe we change some minds, maybe we don't, maybe we provoke people to think deeper about these issues, but ultimately, uh, I just really had a good time, so thanks. As did I, and I completely agree with you that maybe we didn't change anybody's mind, maybe we didn't, you know, move the needle one way or another, but I just appreciate that you and I were able to sit down here with differing, differing opinions and really hammer out and, and change our perspective based on new information. So if you're listening, if you gain anything from this podcast, please make it that, that your opinions are your own. They are not determined by a political base, a political party, what your family believes, or whoever. So make your own decisions. Have a great time. And we'll talk to you later.